Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Barton, um, uh, you know, we didn't get really a chance to dig into this. So uh, let's let's jump right off and, and we can we can tackle it. We can address it. I just want, as, as take Smiths in this college football podcast community, um, you are in charge of laying out the spread for the Clemson Tigers in the White House. The regular chef is out of town because of uh, you know other circumstances. You know what? What are you going to to feed the Clemson Tigers? <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I guess if I'm you know if if I don't have my normal uh, crew there to to help me out. No, the carving station. Yeah, the carving station is gone. The fresh yeah. wedge salad will not be out there. Uh, the fingerling <laughs> potato salad will not be one of your sides. No, no, no. All that's out the window. You need to go and get something and bring it back. This is takeout only. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think um, you know. I, I think Popeyes, um, maybe, maybe even like KFC, some buckets of chicken. Um, but I'll, I'll say, you know, look, uh, the the Don went with Burger King and McDonald's, and I'm I'm good with it. Like that's if if I was in college, a buffet of all you can eat, McDonald's burgers and fries and pizza, that'd have been that'd have been just fine with me, dude. I, I believe that uh, they it, within the actual, uh, and I, I would never ever suggest that anyone would ever violate uh, a school or NCAA drug policy, but isn't, aren't, aren't the laws within the District of Columbia a little bit looser um, regarding recreational use of marijuana? You're saying that... Uh, I'm just saying if, if you decided to partake while you were in the building and you uh, showed up to that, goodness gracious, what a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that would have been... Uh, that, that would have made your eyes a little wider there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, the the guys seem to be all right with it. Um, you're not going to catch me out here, <laughs> out here getting too political with my uh, uh, my my national championship spread takes. Uh, that that seemed like uh, a fun night for the guys. And uh, hey, you know what? It's, it's good to have some. When you're in college, McDonald's is delicious. As a, as a 37 year old adult. It is now disgusting to me, but there was a time when nothing tasted better than a McDonald's burger. The here, here's what I would go with, um, and and this is only a little. I would go with a little bit more of a like uh, a a nod maybe to the area because I was thinking uh, Five Guys Burgers and Fries was based in Arlington, I think. Like yeah, that's a that's a tougher that I've been to Five Guys in D.C. and. Uh, that was the I think the first time I ever had Five Guys. It was good. Yeah, I, I think I think that maybe you lean into the the local the local but, flavor, and then and then this is where you bring it from home because we know that Christian Wilkins loves Krispy Kreme donuts. We know for a fact there is nothing that makes Christian Christian Wilkins has circled every date 
that Clemson has played, there's only been two of them, but every date that Clemson has played at Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the home of Krispy Kreme Donuts, he has circled that. And after both of those wins, he has just been uh, a kid in a candy store when presented with Krispy Kreme Donuts. At the Clemson National Championship Parade, he was eating Krispy Kreme Donuts and throwing them out into the to the crowd. So I go five guys with Krispy Kreme Donuts as dessert. I mean, that would be good, but the Donald is sort of batching it up in the White House right now. Like, again, he doesn't have a whole lot of help. Uh, he doesn't have the, you know, he's sort of solo on this deal. And Five Guys is a little tough to navigate, pretty tough to negotiate getting all those uh, different toppings and what burgers do you want. You just go to McDonald's and give me a, give me a pallet of, of uh, uh, like what, what are they, Big Macs? Give me a pallet of Big Macs and, and we're good. You know, so I, I, I get it, man. I get it. I mean, I, I guess that was uh, that was the loaves and the fishes right there. They just turned into fillet of fishes. <laughs> uh, all right, listen, we we were expecting this to be a dead week, and Barton, it hasn't been at all. We have just been inundated and overflowing with uh, like landscape. Uh, shaping news in terms of the 2019 football outlook like we don't we don't even need to go through uh you know you've you've already started to put together your signing day primers that are going to be up on cbsports.com go check them out i put together a ranking of the top 32 uh, draft eligible players for the 2020 nfl draft now that the you know some players like Justin Herbert, uh, Rashard Lawrence, Derek Brown, they've announced they're coming back. How do they stack up against Tua Tugavailoa, Jake Fromm, and all that? But Barton, we don't, like, we, we don't even need to get to that because that kind of off-season content falls second to very legitimate breaking news, and we've got several items to break down here, and none of them, uh, to me, more impactful than Jalen Hurts' announcement that he's going to be, in his words, taking his talents to the University of Oklahoma, or Oklahoma University. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, um, I couldn't be happier about this. Movie. You called it. You, you said, I hope he does. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things here. Like for one, all right, he was, so he's leaving Alabama. Where's he going to go? Uh, you know, as we break down the decisions, I mean, why would you go anywhere other than Oklahoma for one? Why would you decide to go down to Miami and try to be the savior why would you try to go to Maryland and try to be the savior? Why would you sniff around at Auburn and go, you know, crush whatever equity you built up in the Alabama fan base? Go to Oklahoma, where point number one, you've got an opportunity to compete for national championships. You've got an opportunity to play in the biggest games out there. Uh, point number two, you've got an opportunity to play for a coach that is as good as any in college football from an offensive standpoint. And point number three, you got a chance to develop into an NFL draft pick. I mean, there's nothing that this move missing. And uh, it's it's great for me, for us as fans, it's just great for college football. Right. Oklahoma is going to be really good. And they've got a quarterback now. We don't have to blindly trust that he can develop a – freshman uh summer enrollee or we don't have to blindly trust that tanner mordecai is going to come in and uh pick up the reins we can we know what jalen hurts is and people that doubt that jalen hurts can be good at oklahoma um i i would argue otherwise i i, I disagree with you i think jalen hurts is going to be really good at oklahoma 
Baker Mayfield was not anywhere near sniffing uh, first number one overall status until his Heisman Trophy winning season. Kyler Murray was not even considered an NFL draft pick until his Heisman Trophy winning season. If I want to play in the NFL, why in the world do I play anywhere but Oklahoma? Yeah, and I can't, I can't remember if we talked about this here, but my, my opinion on like guys going to – I think we have talked about this. Like, you know, there's this sort of perception, hey, go play in a pro-style system that prepares you to the NFL. Like, to me, that's, that's just like hogwash. Like, just go where you are going to be the most successful, where you are going to display your skill set most effectively – and then let the NFL say, let the NFL try to pick you apart. Um, and then they're, they're, they're less inclined to do that these days because the offenses are more quarterback friendly. The rules are more quarterback friendly. So, I, I, and, I, and I do go back <clears throat> to Baker Mayfield. And even like, like Baker Mayfield, by the time his, his last season at Oklahoma had rolled around, I think everyone was calling him an NFL prospect. Um, I don't think necessarily the whatever you know 2016 season at Oklahoma as good as he was I think there was still this like stigma to like him being small or just a you know a, a mobile quarterback that is is just a kind of a playground style guy I, I don't know that there was some unanimous consensus that Baker Mayfield was was an NFL draft pick. I think that had changed by the you know the start of his, his last year and over the course of the season that evolved to where our, he's an NFL draft pick. But even at, towards the very end of the year, like it took like at the very end of the year before people started saying, all right, Baker Mayfield's a first-round pick. And then obviously even up until the very – like he was never really considered the number one overall pick until you know, the draft really approached. Um, you can say the same thing about Kyler Murray. I mean, everyone. I mean, he was he was he was the thing we didn't know about. Like he was the, sort of this sight unseen, like interesting prospect that's five nine and seven eighths, and is is a baseball. The Oklahoma the athlete. Oklahoma athletic department is very proud of you for, for calling that one out. <laughs> that's right. I'm Just not, to yeah. correct the talking heads. Yeah, the SID tweeted out their exact measurements of Kyler Murray, uh, which is five nine and seven eights in socks. Um, in socks. So, but but Kyler Murray was, I mean, I think even the the best case scenario for Kyler Murray was he plays a couple more seasons at Oklahoma and maybe you know maybe earns himself an NFL draft spot. I don't think anybody looked at this heading into this season. If we would take it back to last spring and said Kyler Murray will be a first round or top two round NFL draft pick, I don't think anybody was trying to make that case within within that next calendar year. And and here we are, and Kyler Murray's looking like he will be a first round NFL draft pick. And I say all that to be like, yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts appears to have some issues as a passer. But he has really improved over just the last year from an accuracy standpoint. He, he completed seventy-two percent of his passes in mop-up duty this year, including that you know winning an SEC championship in, in meaningful snaps. Um, and secondly, and and so to to place him in that Lincoln Riley offense, why do we doubt that a guy as athletic as he is 
as focused and business-oriented as he is, as talented as he is, why do we doubt that he's not going to be have the same sort of evolution under Lincoln Riley? I, I think it's fascinating. I think that uh, you you have sort of broached on it a little bit, especially with the idea of production over feeling like you need to get into uh, a certain system. And I think that where as I've been continuing to to ruminate on it, it's just it is it is antiquated because we've already hit the point of disruption and no one knows exactly what to do. So the only thing like the the scouts' minds are blown. Uh, all the old school. The, the people who wrote the book on what an NFL quarterback should be, I mean, they're just bewildered. They're not really sure what's going on. And because no one knows what's going on, that's that's a time where all you're going to be able to trust is the production. It's like, all I can do is trust my eyes. And this guy has been awesome. And Jalen Hurts, under Lincoln Riley's guidance, with the skill, which, like, by the way, is CeeDee Lamb still there? Yes. Is Grant Calcaterra still there? Yes. Is Trey Sermon still there? Yes. Like uh, You talked with, uh, wasn't it Ben Powers at the media day? They're pretty yeah. confident that, that the next crop of dudes are going to be just as effective in terms of being one of the best offensive line units in the country. So, uh, yeah, if, if you believe that Jalen Hurts equals production and we are in an era where production is good enough to get you not only an NFL job, but like meaningful snaps on the field and, and like per, having offenses catering to your skill set to be able to lead a team, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, I guess, being the ceiling here into the playoffs. Like, goodness gracious. Like, this, it, it is a, it is a fun time for a college football analyst, writer, talking head, whatever we are, because, after having the NFL sort of shake its shake its finger and talk down to us over and over again, and, and you know they they point to Johnny Manziel as kind of the buyer beware, and the Robert Griffin as the buyer beware after uh, you know those fantastic Heisman Trophy winning talents ultimately ended up not uh, exceeding or ma- meeting the expectations as a professional. It's an exciting time because it feels like we've been reset a little bit in the pro game, and now uh, there's a little bit more room to to have the old guard be broken up. And and I think the other reason it's a fun time to be a fan, a whatever we are, a, a commenter on college football is what we're like. Here's why I like there's, and we'll get other moves here maybe maybe this is maybe we should just get into him like so all right so Jalen Hurts goes to Oklahoma um as as he's you know walking through the revolving door there Austin Kendall's walking out of the complex heading to West Virginia where he will be likely the starting quarterback for a program that didn't have a good starting quarterback candidate that has probably a pretty good roster otherwise and now West Virginia will be a really good version of itself. Uh, well, well, I, hey, well what, what, before we get to Tate Martell, what'd you make of um, like Lincoln Riley kind of came under fire because the way the story was being presented. And look, uh, if if you've been on like vacation or if you've been like 
buried in some early Q1 spreadsheets for the week. These events all happened like boom, boom, boom. It was uh, late. We're recording here on Thursday morning. Late, late, late Tuesday night. Uh, Tate Martell to Miami. And so in my head, when that news comes out, I'm like, well, scratch Miami off the list for Jalen Hurts. Then you find out Austin Kendall's out. Well, that means Jalen Hurts is going to Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts releases his Players' Tribune piece. Like These were all dominoes that have fallen very, very quickly. But there was a brief moment where the major storyline, or a major storyline, was, um, and the report was presented like this, as... Uh, as Oklahoma is pursuing Jalen Hurts, it is blocking Austin Kendall from transferring to West Virginia. That issue has since been resolved. Again, all of these things are happening very quickly. But in when when that was the case, <coughs> do you think that criticism of Riley was fair? Yeah, just to be you know to be clear, so Austin Kendall is a grad transfer. <clears throat> he could transfer anywhere. Um, without penalty, except for within the Big 12, uh, he could still transfer, but he would have to sit out a year uh, pending a waiver. Um, that's unique to the Big 12. The SEC has gotten rid of the ability. And it's called the coaches. Baker Mayfield rule. Yes, they did yeah. it for Baker Mayfield. And and so, there, yeah, so here, like, Lincoln Riley has pretty much been perfect as a head coach early in his tenure. Like there's not been any real true missteps. There's not been any, um, you know, his, his teams have been really good. His, his presentation to the media has been really good. Um, his, his handling of off the field issues has been really good. As far as I, I, I know, uh, um, this was the first time where it's like, what are you doing Lincoln? Right. Like what, what are you doing? Like they, the, you know, they excited, you know, blocking that transfer to West Virginia because it's in conference and for competitive reasons. But they've already accepted a transfer in conference. Like Baker Mayfield came from within the Big 12. Um, they've, they're, they're probably, gonna, you know, if this works out with Jalen Hurts, they probably get another matchup with Alabama next year. Like they are, get, like this is, this is a team and a program and a coach that has benefited from transfers uh, in competitive environments and to, to then block your own, who is transferring only because you're bringing in the other guy and right. saying we're going to start him over you. Right. It is, is, is really tone deaf and, and really was a bad look. It took all of about three hours, I feel like, till that, from that report to come out, the media backlash to hit, and, and them to, to fold and let him go. But um, that was not a good look. So, so do you think that that's uh, that is maybe Lincoln Riley showing hit, showing some? Uh, is that him? Is that in your opinion? Is that him showing arrogance or ignorance as a young and successful head coach? I think it's. I think probably it's a. I have not. Everything I've done so far has been. I haven't missed yet. Um, it's sort of a heat check. Heat there, check. Yes. <laughs> That's a great call. I love that. That was like, oh, whoa, okay. All right. Okay. All right. My bad. All right. You know, like, no, okay. All right. Throwing up throwing up hook shots from like outside the three-point line just to see if it goes in, uh, you know, and then, hey, walk it back if right. it doesn't. Right. Maybe he didn't expect it to blow up. Like, obviously, like, you know, maybe he expected Austin Kendall to just take the – 
take that limitation, look elsewhere, but Austin Kindle or somebody leaked it to the press and, uh, and, and that's all she wrote on that deal. Um, so more power to him. And, and now he's going to get to play Austin Kindle and he should like Austin Kindle should have an opportunity to go and try to prove Lincoln Riley wrong. Try to prove, try to, try to, you know, go head to head with his old coach and say, Hey, appreciate what you've done for me, but this is why you should have just started me all along. And Lincoln Riley should welcome that. I think that, uh, I think, I think that Lincoln's just like sitting around and in, in the most, I, th- I was going to say to, to answer my own question, I was probably going to say he checks the, probably the best call. I was going to guess that it was ignorance that he just, he, he was going about his business. He was like, Nope, can't go to West Virginia. Just ch- check the, check the not West Virginia box or, like, or just like check go, all this day. Yeah, yeah. And like whoever they're playing in non-conference, like he just pulled out the 2019 uh, and 2020 schedules, clicked all of those boxes and then hit submit. And he kind of thought in his mind, he was like, Hey man, we're still letting you go to, you know, 115 potential FBS schools if you want. Right. And uh, just didn't, and there, didn't there, know there this is, was going to happen. Yeah. And, and there is some, you know, uh, Neil Brown, who is the new head coach of West Virginia, did recruit Austin Kendall some out of high school um, while he was at, I want to say, Kentucky. The uh, He's... Austin's brother has played for Neil Brown, I believe, as a walk-on. Like so, there's, there's some, there. I mean, there's some reason for this to be a like a, a move that makes sense, and that's the thing when you always get frustrated with these, like with blocking a move, particularly when like the move is it's not just some sort of petty, like I'm gonna go, go somewhere in conference where you know I can use my institutional knowledge and and you know dismantle your dynasty it's like I, I this is a place where i can start at quarterback where i have a previous relationship where with an offense that fits my skill set like let's go and and it was a blocked move and so uh all that said point being with these transfers and these revolving doors and these co- quarterbacks that are willing to move we are now getting our best version of oklahoma and our best version of west virginia mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We are now getting our best version of Ohio State because Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. We are going to get our best version of Clemson because Clemson has Trevor Lawrence as their starting quarterback. But by the nature of Trevor Lawrence winning that job and sending other four-star you know, elite caliber quarterbacks scattering – we are also going to get the best version of Missouri where Kelly Bryant landed and the best version of Northwestern where Hunter Johnson is going to fill in for Clayton Thorson. Yep. Like like all around college football, these transfer quarterbacks are creating an, uh, an opportunity for us to see teams being better than they would otherwise be, to see the, the product on the field being better than it would otherwise be. Like the – I get frustrated with the hand, with any hand wringing about transfer culture and these guys, um, you know, not being loyal to their team or their coach. Like, w- just sit back and enjoy this. Like, we, th- this is, this is, wh- who wants to see a talent like Justin Fields 
rotting away on the bench. Who right. wants to see Austin? Who wants to see West Virginia with a with a redshirt freshman quarterback who isn't a very effective thrower or a or a you know a upperclassman you know journeyman quarterback fans. that's not very talented. You know, like it's just. Who wants to see that? I want to see everybody be at the very best, and I want to see the best players find a spot on the field, wherever that might be, to provide them an opportunity to, 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 to showcase how good they can be. Um, and so this is, to me, this is like, this is awesome. Like, I'm so excited for what we're seeing right now. Is this the, is, have, you, have you named this? Is this the Barton quarterback transfer theory or the Simmons, Simmons theorem? Because I I, this I this might be your uh, this this might be like your, uh, your like your your great masterpiece like your 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 final <laughs> your final term paper your thesis ah the Simmons thesis okay perfect I mean well, I I, yeah. I need to, I need to be able to credit you on radio hits and CBS Sports HQ and other places because I I think that that just comes back to a core tenet of sort of what I believe not only in in college football college sports but sports in general but it's just like i i want to see success i want to see the best version of everything and i I want it to be uh i want it to be the best product possible and to 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 the way that you you stated that where uh, otherwise elite quarterback talent would just be wasting away with father time, the sands of father time, just sort of slipping away, as opposed to getting to contribute, getting to uh, grow themselves as a young individual, getting to help a team and getting to help a program. That's those are things. The positivity far outweighs the negativity, which would be quote unquote competitive advantage or disadvantage. Stop me if I've told you this story before. Um, my high school quarterback was a guy named Ingle Martin. Have I told you this story before? You have. have. Have I told it on the pod? Um, I don't know. Just go ahead. Give us a run through All right. Well, then I'll, 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 I'll do it. Like so. I remember that you talked about Compete Cowboys, and I put a bunch of sound effects on you doing an impression right. well, of somebody. I probably have told it. So, I mean, because like, he's, he, he's one of the most competitive guys that, I've ever, that, that I know, and he's, a, he's now one of the best high school football coaches in the state of Tennessee. But he was at Florida, and – Ron Zook came in and Steve Spurrier left and he was a quarterback and he didn't get a fair shake. He was, he became the backup and he, he transferred and he went to Furman and he played two years at Furman and played for FCS national championships, played in the NFL. And it's like these like kids grow up their whole life enjoying the game of football and they go to college to play the game of football. And then once they're, enrolled in college and once they have the gear that the, the team issued gear for whatever college it is then they're expected to to have this undying devotion to that to that logo and it's like man that ain't why you get you go to college i mean it sounds great to say that i would love you know that i, I love my team and i'm devoted to my teammates and that's great and and, and as you should be but ultimately, the reason you're in college and the reason you chose to go play the game of football in college is because you love playing the game of football the same way you loved it when you're playing it when you're 10 years old in the backyard, the same way you loved it when you're a high school with your in high school with your boys on you know two days in August, and that's fun. It's fun to play the game, and so I don't know where we sort of we, we took a, a turn to to thinking that guys should prefer 
to just like be a good soldier and back up whoever's in front of them for the devotion of to the team instead of just like wanting to go play and compete and be on the field in moments where you can be a competitor again. And so I'm, I am like, I'm all for it. And you know, I'm never, and, and look, there's, and I think, and I also think that the discussion around the quarterback position is different than the discussion around other positions. Again, I feel like this is a little redundant. I'm, I'm sure we've had this conversation before on this pod, but the, the idea that you're a, a, a safety like I was in college and, you know, if you're not playing right away or if someone beats you out, you can still be the, you know, on the, in the dime package. You can still be on kickoff coverage. You can still be on punt return. Like you can, there's all kinds of ways you can get on the field and contribute. If you're quarterback, the only thing you can do is be a scout team quarterback, sit in the meetings and, and uh, you know, play a mop-up duty. Like if you're a quarterback, there's only one of them that plays. And if you get if the guy in front of you didn't leave him for two years and the coaches like him better, man, more power to you. Go find that spot. And guys are doing that now, and the rules are relaxed and allowing them to do that now. And it is it is going to make for a better college football product. Tate Martell's going to Miami. Tate, go get your money, brother. Like, you know? Okay, so that – what is uh... – all right, so one, one one last note before we move on to Tate Martell. You mentioned uh, something that a lot a lot of my my friends were definitely texting about this, like just licking our chest. Like, forget parody. Give me Oklahoma, Alabama in the college football playoff again, right? Well, y- yeah, 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 and, and, and not like- and not just that. I want Jalen and Tua neck and neck for the Heisman Trophy. That would well, it, that would be awesome. Uh, like I think there, this has been a little bit of a popular tweet, but it would be cool if like let's let's call the Heisman finalists uh, Tua, Jalen, Jake Fromm, and Justin Fields, maybe, maybe <laughs> and throw, throw them all maybe, in the college football maybe, playoff. <laughs> maybe throw maybe throw Jacob Eason in there as the, yeah. as the fifth Heisman finalist out of Washington. Like it's it's like and the thing is, it's not even. That's not even like that much of a of a stretch to believe that th- that could be the four or the five Heisman finalists. Um, we're getting it's like the wa- like the uh, I don't know. There's I'm sure there's a term for this uh, phenomenon, but it's like you know water finds space. You know when 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 you put water into a container, path of least resistance, it's, maybe it's it's going to find like whatever cavities and caverns there are, and it's going to seep into it. And right now, like the the, the talent, the, the the liquid talent in co- in the college football quarterback room is finding space to be successful wherever it may be. And like we haven't even talked about, like Jacob Eason is over there chilling in Seattle as the backup this year. He steps into the starting position this year. And, and look, I haven't necessarily checked in on what the buzz is with him, but that's this talented quarterback that was once a five-star guy that got beat out by Jake Fromm after he got injured who could be really, really good at Washington. And so there's, there, we're, if there's all these transfers that because, because other guys are really good too, like they're finding homes and are going to be – really really successful um all right we will get into what tate martell can bring to miami uh and more shake up on the alabama coaching staff right after this the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived 
thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. So Tate Martell, uh, again, makes his announcement that he will be showing up at Miami, and this comes hand-in-hand with Jeff Thomas, uh, dismissed by Mark Rick back in November. He is being welcomed back to the Miami program with open arms by Manny Diaz and the new coaching staff. Was he dismissed by Mark Rick? Yes. I thought he just transferred. Really? Oh, yeah. Let me see if I can find Uh, I mean, there was – I mean, I feel like he was – he started like not showing up to practice there at the end, and I think he was there was some sort of friction, but I'm not sure a dismissal happened as much as he. Miami Herald, November 21st, Miami Hurricanes star receiver Jeff Thomas dismissed from football team. All right, okay, because I thought we, there was a point where he was being recruited back to you know was being recruited not to transfer to Illinois, but okay. I mean All this, right, well, and and that could have been. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Jeff Thomas said, I did not get kicked off the team as of how bad it sounds. I came to an agreement with my head coach on leaving the program to better my future and family life. So it was a, it was an amicable split that officially got filed as a dismissal. Okay. All right. Well, hey, either way, he's back. He's back. (laughs) Bruh. And that dude is lightning in a bottle fast. Like, oh yeah. He's so good. And he is, and you know, the Jeff Thomas and, you know, man, heart breaks, heart still breaks for Amon Richards, career ending neck injury, because when that dude was healthy and even when he was running on one leg, he was one of the best wide receivers in the ACC. Uh, But Jeff Thomas is one of the most explosive players I've seen in that league over the last three seasons. And now we've got Jeff Thomas, we've got Tate Martell, and this is where I'm, I'm really hoping to, to lean into you because I only see I've only seen Tate Martell as a specialized player. So what what can Miami fans, what should we expect from Tate Martell as a QB1 for the Hurricanes? Well, first of all, the you know, Tate Martell is transferring and this isn't just a total free for all. Like the expectation is he will have to sit out a year. Okay. Now, he will file he will, he will file some sort of an appeal. He has lawyered up quote lawyered up i think that's that is the quote from his camp um i think that they're going to lean on the coaching change at ohio state uh as a motivation for the transfer and i I don't know their chances of getting him immediately eligible um but he's gonna he's gonna go for it um there was but there was some buzz that with justin field's arrival because look this is another thing where it's like People, you know, can can sort of dog Tate Martell for not wanting to compete, and it is a little bit comedic to look at, you know, because he had a tweet uh, when Justin when the rumors were that Justin Fields is going to go to Oklahoma, and it hadn't yet been officially announced. Uh, Tate sent a tweet out to the effect of, like, kind of subtweeting come on to Ohio state and, and lose a starting job again. Like you'll be my backup or something like that. Um, 
and that might have been a <laughs> might have been a little bit of a of a bluff. Uh, Justin Fields may have called that bluff. Because right. Basically, as soon as things go official, Tate Martell was in the transfer portal. Um, so, I think that's the other thing where it's like, look, man, there's no there's no misconceptions here. Like Tate Martell, when Justin Fields transfers to Ohio State, he's transferring there as the favorite of the, the coaching staff. Like I think Tate Martell, it's pre- the writing on the wall is pretty clear. So Tate Martell leaves. And there is even some rumors that he might have even been third on the depth chart. Because I think Matthew Baldwin, uh, their redshirt freshman, is is a guy that they really like. And so, you know, that that was a, that was going to be a tough room for Tate Martell to come out of. That said, he is still a really good quarterback. He is still a guy that was one of the best in the country. He's small. He's undersized. He's more of an athlete. We saw him on uh, red zone stuff for Ohio State this past year. Um, he is a, he comes with a little bit of like a diva reputation at the quarterback position, but he goes down to Miami where now he's joining, um, his, uh, his tight end from high school, um, and his Brevin Jordan, high school. Brevin Jordan was his, his high school tight end. Really good freshman year for Brevin Jordan. That was a, yeah. that was a, that was like, that's, that's another part of, remember how we talked about sometimes, it takes almost a month or two to to scan back and pick up on just like tiny little tidbits that fell through the cracks. You're like, damn, Brevin Jordan had a great freshman season. He could yeah. he could be a player next year. No doubt. And and Bubba Bolden, who was suspended this year at USC, but is also a really good player, tra- has also transferred to Miami. So sort of the Bishop Gorman guys are meeting in, in South Florida. And I do, I mean, I, I, I guarantee you, that Tate Martell is a better college football player than, than what Miami has on this roster right now uh, and can give them a chance. And so it's, it's you know, I, I think that they've, uh, you know, if, if, when he gets on the field, I think he'll be good. Um, is he going to be, you know, Baker Mayfield's, Justin Fields good? Uh, I, I don't know about that. He'll, I think he'll be a good player. Okay, so does he fit in with your dream of what the Miami offense could be? Because we were differing on this a couple episodes ago. You want Miami to go as fast as humanly possible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a he is a yeah. He's a guy that can be a point guard in a in a tempo, fast paced bubble screens to Jeff Thomas. Yeah, a bunch of RPO stuff, some zone read stuff, quarterback run stuff. Just get it, get that thing moving. I've seen Tate Martell operate. Uh, I mean, he calls he, he called his own plays at times in high school. Um, I mean, he's a guy that is he has been truly like a point guard and and really good offenses. And I think he can do that and and be you know be a NASCAR kind of fast paced system. And I don't know if that's what they'll what they'll evolve into. I don't know what Dan Enos has got planned over there, but uh, I think they'll be, you know, in the words of, of Manny Diaz, they will be modern and innovative. And I think Tate Martell has the ability to be the trigger man in, in an offense like that. So uh, we, we have been in the, in the labs. Like we're not, we're not just going to hold this carrot out for y'all forever. <laughs> we have been in the labs for, uh, for that because was it, and then Manny, I, I've, I've so far. Here's what I've gotten through. I've, I've got my rankings, and I've gone, I've gone through Manny, Ryan Day, Matt Wells, 
and I haven't gone. I watched the Less One live, but I haven't started making my notes on it yet. We could do an entire podcast on Less's press conference. Just cut it up and 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 comment pull on all it. the clips. I mean, it's it's absurd, but uh, but it was. Uh, you know, Manny Diaz came out there and said, uh, "What do you say?" Like thirty years to the day of Miami's first national championship, he was getting introduced. Manny Diaz is. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: Manny Diaz is going to get high marks from his presser. <laughs> right, he crushed it. <laughs> um, yeah. So the anyway, and, and that's like as fast as humanly possible. That was what Matt Wells promised at uh, Texas Tech. He says, "Fast as Yost can get those calls in, we're going to be snapping that ball." So <laughs> nothing changing there at Texas Tech. Speaking of coaches, though, uh, the assistant coaching carousel continuing to turn. Biggest headline of uh, the last day or so since we last joined you. Defensive coordinator Tosh Lupoy is going to be going to the NFL. He's taking a job on Freddie Kitchen's staff with the Cleveland Browns. Does this... So what is this? Uh, is it Kirby, Pruitt, and then Tosh? Is it is it one, one, one? Like three straight years, three straight defensive coordinators gone? I think... Uh, was Pruitt in there twice, two years, or was he just one? Either way, we got a lot of turnover, um, and I, I, I and so Tosh was always this was always a, everyone was always kind of scratching their head on the Tosh at, at DC thing. Like he's he is one of the best recruiters in college football. Um, that's really always been his reputation. How was he going to handle the, the DC role? Um, I, the the buzz that I've heard out of Tuscaloosa is that really like Pete Golding is, was a pretty critical part of that defensive staff as a, I think his title is actually code defensive coordinator. I think he played a much more significant role than people realized. And so this to me is Nick Saban being like, you know, Hey Tosh, if if you got an opportunity somewhere, you could take it. Uh, We really want to, to, to hand this over to Pete Golding. That's sort of my expectation on how this played out. Um, and and I think it actually kind of makes sense for Tosh, too, to sort of shake off this, like, recruiter um, stereotype that he's developed and go to the – get out – just get that off his plate, go to the NFL, and just sort of prove he's a, he's a football coach. Um, more so than a recruiter, and then maybe he comes back to college football. Gets you know, he, whenever he circles back, he could probably get a coordinator job somewhere, and and then he's you know, and, and at that point, he's got a little bit more seasoning, and and maybe he's he's more prepared. But I I think this clears the way for Pete Golding to be the next sort of Alabama star coordinator because that was he was a guy that Ole Miss really wanted. He was a guy that Oklahoma really pursued as well, or at least did pursue to some degree. Um, and at, in talking uh, at the Orange Bowl, I talked to, you know, one guy I talked to is Josh McMillan, who's a backup linebacker for um, Alabama, and I was asking him about Golding a little bit, and he was, you know, he was saying he's he's just like Kirby. He was like he is, he's got the same demeanor, same mentality. He's like Kirby Light or, or, or Kirby 2.0, uh, and so I think we'll. I think you'll see his name start to to gain steam as as sort of because look, as good of the season as it was for Alabama this year, I think that those final two games 
uh, created some urgency for Nick Saban to to get this thing right again on the coaching staff where he wants it. It felt like there was a little bit of just all right, let's let's next man up this thing at. at in the coaching staff mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that was the best move uh but it's still crazy to think that Alabama now for two consecutive years is going to have at least six new coaches Pete Golding might be Kirby 1.5 I don't think he's big enough to be Kirby 2.0 yeah I mean 2.0 is is not <laughs> you know a, a, a better version of Kirby isn't the way I wanted to say it but a Kirby he's bigger you know, version of Kirby a next, yeah, next iteration <laughs> of Kirby, I guess. Well, I mean, and like even from his uh, his background comes from because didn't Kirby start at Valdosta State? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, there's, there's the I, I love catching the the assistants who, who like uh, playing playing career. Well, I guess Kirby played at Georgia, but uh, when when that coaching career goes all the way back to some Division two uh, champions and some FCS titles and. And, and you know, getting it started back at uh, let's see, getting it started back at 2006 in Delta State. Yeah, I respect it. You've been grinding for a long time with some cheap right. salaries. Right, right. You've been you and uh, your family have been figuring out ways to make twenty seven thousand dollars a year work. And so, uh, good congrats to you. You've you you deserve all the Alabama bucks that are about to come your way. Yeah, but I mean, it's golly, I mean. It's just cra- – I mean, I don't know whether it's Nick Saban grinding these guys up. I guess part of it is is just the opportunities that are, are presented. But, um, man, it's it's just wild to think how much turnover he's got to deal with. Even Alabama's, like, off-field analysts are getting position coach jobs and, um, you know, going to the NFL. And, like, there's, there's like, so many people – like, you, you, you find guys – getting position jobs and and the the note is spent the previous season as an off-field analyst at Alabama it's like what that guy was back there too like they've got they've got this this army of guys who are really good coaches that are just chilling for a year um in Nick Saban's office helping him do whatever he wants Uh, I mean no wonder they're so you know they're so well coached I I feel like there's a I feel like this is, you know, the th- this is the time of year where for, you know, Belichick and Saban largely considered the the greatest of all time in each of their respective coaching professions, correct? Yes. Uh and right now it, it we are getting both of them at a point where a lot of there there is an urgency to be the first person to write the column that the dynasty is over and there is plenty of evidence and pushback to suggest that uh, no way. This is not how it's going to happen. It is interesting to me that both of their staffs continuing to be mined. I think that that's what might end up. I mean, well, for Belichick, it might be his relationship with Brady and the ownership. But uh, just the, the idea that Nick Saban, in particular, like that—that that just might be the way where he just becomes exhausted when he's like, it, I, I, "I can do all of this effort to recruit. I can go to all these in-home visits. I can sell Alabama. I can." You know, I can coach the coaches and I can coach the players, but I just cannot. Like the, I wonder if continuing to have to make these hires year after year after year to teach and reteach uh, the Alabama process. Uh, I think that 
that might be the thing that ends up pushing him to the point where uh, he is no he no longer has the physical, mental, emotional capacity to be able to continue to do it at the level that he wants to do it because he's he's got the he's got the I'm going to be able to go out on my terms status at Alabama. He is 68, about to be 69 years old. Um, my my prediction, my over under is at 71, 71 and a half, somewhere around there. So I think we're going to have a couple more seasons of it. But as we continue to go through this, that I think that that's become my resting prediction is that it's not going to be a drop off in success on the field because I think that they're going to be competing for SEC championships and college football playoff spots every single year that he's there. I think it's going to be the the stress of having to retool a staff every single year because I can only see this I can only see this trend continuing uh, as more and more programs try and model themselves after Nick Saban's Alabama. Yeah, I mean it's got to be exhausting be uh, to to continue to have to retrain a staff every year and I feel like he's he's there was a nice mix for a while of just sort of guys that either a guy like Kirby Smart who was just set, you know, content being the defensive coordinator until his dream job came open uh or guys who were sort of you know burton burns type guys who was his running backs coach for a long time who was just content being a running back coach and being a really good one and a really good recruiter um it seems like it's hard to find that balance of guys that that you know don't want to be a head coach i mean right now all these young guys that you're hiring i mean they all are looking for the next step to put them in the next position to be a great head coach and so you sort of it makes it a it's, it's a challenging hiring process for someone like Nick Saban and it and it's got to be exhausting to continue to try to train everyone on the Alabama way year over year I'm half you know expecting him to just you know just throw up his hands and just start getting uh you know Lance uh well um um oh what's my guy's name anyways he, he's you know just sort of recycling all his old coaches um and uh you know it's 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 interesting to see what his next move will be here i mean he's got six coaches to hire oh it's it's you know what it's gonna be it's gonna be when someone poaches scott cochran then he's out yeah (laughs) Yeah. like yeah that's the glue right there someone someone's gonna uh someone's gonna offer scott cochran three million dollars the most ever paid to a strength and conditioning coach and then nick saban's gonna be chew him out like he did josh gaddis and then he's going to hang it up. And by the yeah. way, uh, as a as a last little note, as we put a bow on this, Alabama's entire 2016 staff is now elsewhere. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. They're all gone. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, because like even Carl Dunbar used to be the glue, right? Wasn't he there forever? I mean, forever was like, what, four years or five years or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, any uh, Right before we get out of here, any uh, any other like major moves or uh, whispers of moves you're keeping your eye on? Uh, no, no. I'm just trying to just, – just hanging on to that carousel for dear life, seeing, seeing where we land at the end of this thing. Well, I, 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 like the, I like the Simmons thesis. College football is better off with quarterbacks being able to move freely. All right, we'll see if the column follows here on CBS. All right, good luck. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Is there-